Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. I must say, doing this daily podcast has been very therapeutic for me. It's not just that it has provided me an outlet to discuss intricacies of the league and the game that don't lend themselves to my TV or radio appearances either because they're not mainstream enough or they require too much time to do justice. It's also because as I observe commentary elsewhere, it offers a place for me to respond to analysis or perspectives that don't do justice to events or the participants, at least in my eyes. There's a lot about Game 4 between the Bucks and Suns, That is material I probably won't be talking about on the herd or speak for yourself. And that contradicts what you might hear from other analysts. I'm more than okay with that. I assume that's why you listen to this podcast. And why I'm still doing this 30 years after I started. Thank you, by the way, for your patronage. So first, I hope that Devin Booker was listening closely to the man sitting next to him at the podium after the game, Chris Paul. Because I don't know that I've heard two men who experienced the same painful loss, two men who both contributed in their way to that painful loss, discuss what happened in more starkly different ways. For Devin Booker, who should have fouled out with three minutes and 40 seconds left, but was not called for wrapping up Drew Holiday on a breakaway layup and therefore was able to stay around to score four more of his 42 points 
It was about the foul that was called on him for running into P.J. Tucker to stop Tucker from crashing the boards that put Devin on the bench with just under 11 minutes to play with five fouls. That's what he wanted to talk about, or that's the foul that he mentioned. Not that he was admitting fault for picking up that foul. I'm not sure what he was saying exactly, but it sounded as if he was saying he was playing the right way, being aggressive, and got called for the foul anyway. Anybody, like, say, Jeff Van Gundy, questioning the foul, stop it. If Devin hits PJ shoulder to shoulder, going for the rebound, then I'd argue you let it go. But he wasn't trying to make a play on the ball. He ran into PJ Tucker purely to stop him from having a chance at it. That's a foul. You can box out and not get the rebound. You can box out and not try to get the rebound. But you have to at least be looking in the direction of the ball and have your hands up so that it appears that you are looking to get the ball. It's really no different than boxing out by backing under someone trying to jump for it. The uninitiated want to call that an over-the-back foul. It's not, because the undercutter is clearly making no attempt to get the ball. I want to take a minute to talk about questions being asked in these press conferences, because I caught a bit of the post-game press conference from Game 4. I usually don't listen to them. They are really hard to listen to for someone who has been in the business as long as I have. Once upon a time, the heroes of the media were the men and women who asked the tough questions, who asked them directly. The, the questions that were on everybody's mind. You know, like, Devin, what were you thinking when Drew Holiday had the breakaway and you wrapped him up, even though you had five fouls and there were three and a half minutes left? Now, that was a day and an age different from this one. I think I understand why reporters today are terrified to ask a real question. Why they have to preface questions with statements like, Devin, I know you're all about winning, but... Which I heard right after Game 4. There was a time that if an editor heard a reporter preface a question like that, he might be taken off the beat, or certainly called into the office and asked, what the hell was that? Or would simply get the stink eye from the other reporters there for groveling. For the record, I stopped asking questions in press conferences a long time ago. Why would I want to elicit an answer or quote for my competition? Or for a TV audience that now has no reason to consume whatever content I hope to create using said answer and information. But I understand, or at least I think I understand, why reporters are afraid to ask real questions today. Because they might incur the wrath of the coach or player. Now, you'd incur the wrath of the coach or player back in the day, and that was just an accepted part of the job. Didn't mean you asked a bad question meant that the coach or the player didn't necessarily like it. In fact, in many cases, you may have asked a very good question. But in today's world, that moment of wrath 
could very well go viral on social media. And said reporter then faces the prospect of being dragged by the trolls on social media for what I see as doing his or her job, but the trolls see as being punked, and rightfully, by a player or coach. So, better to ask a question, have your name and affiliation announced on national TV, but play nice so that your mentions don't become a sea of vile accusations. Anyway, shortly after Booker skirted taking any responsibility for the loss, but trotted out the same jargon about whether he shoots well or poorly, all that matters is the outcome, Chris Paul sat down next to him and was asked about the team's 17 turnovers, a problem the team did not have in the regular season, but has had increasingly against the Bucs. But be fair, Devin mentioned the 17 turnovers and the Bucks' 17 offensive rebounds as elements in the Suns' loss earlier in his comments. But he didn't do what Paul did, which was to say, I had five of them. I have to take better care of the ball, make better decisions. It's something Booker could have said, seeing as he had the next most, four, and only two assists Chris Paul's seven, making Booker's rate of assist-to-turnover ratio a real issue. And that's a problem. Because for all of Booker's talent, and as a shooter, he is magnificent, as I discussed in the previous podcast. But he still plays an immature game. His decision-making even when it comes to shots, isn't always great. It's just masked by the fact that he shoots so well. Except when he doesn't. And then it isn't masked. And then the shaky decisions are truly damaging. If Booker held himself accountable publicly to play smarter, as Chris Paul did and has done for most of his career, he'd have no choice but to play smarter. And he'd gain a certain amount of sympathy. I mean, he is only, what, 24 years old? He certainly has time to play smarter. I can only conclude that either Booker doesn't want to put that onus on himself, which, if true, is not unlike Ben Simmons not wanting to put the onus on himself of having to make jump shots by acting as if he doesn't need one. Or... Booker doesn't believe he's not playing smart. Which is really no better because it arrives at the same place. Booker is going to continue to play the way he's been playing. And when his shot is falling and Chris Paul is making the decisions and doing so efficiently, the Suns will have a great chance to win. But if Booker's shot is not falling and Chris Paul is struggling as the team's only playmaker then the Suns are going to continue to have what has happened to them the last two games, at least against quality opponents. Which brings me to Drew Holiday, the Bucks point guard. He had another horrendous shooting night. Four for 20 for 13 points, which is the third time this series he's taken more shots than points scored. But is not, it's still not his worst shooting night of these playoffs. That honor goes to his 2-for-11 in Game 3 against Atlanta. He's actually, three times now, he's shot 33% or worse in this series. 
but I'm not going to stand for any Drew Holiday slander because of what he's doing in other categories of the game. That 2-for-11 night was also a win for the Bucks because he had 12 assists and only one turnover. Since Game 2 of the NBA Finals, he has been the primary defender on Chris Paul, rarely getting help, often fighting over screens so that there isn't a switch. Which means he is the reason Chris Paul has gone from scoring 32 points on 60% shooting and collecting nine dimes with only two turnovers in game one when P.J. Tucker was on him to having both his points drop each and every game and his turnovers climb to six in game two, four in game three, and now five in game four. He, Drew, has single-handedly limited Chris Paul's ability to orchestrate the Suns' offense while doing what Chris Paul normally does for the Bucks, which is orchestrate the offense efficiently with seven assists and only one turnover in game four to go with seven rebounds. A couple big ones at the end of the game as well. Handcuffing Chris Paul means the Phoenix offense goes as Devin Booker goes because Chris Paul is the linchpin to DeAndre Ayton being a factor. It's no coincidence Chris Paul struggled mightily in Game 4 and Ayton had 6 points. In Game 3, Booker couldn't find the basket and the Suns got blown out. Chris Paul also struggled in that game. Ayton did not have his usual game, certainly not after the first quarter. In Game 4, Booker was on fire and the Suns lost a close one. Paul was not a factor. Ayton was not a factor. But that's pretty much how it went for Phoenix before Chris Paul arrived. Some nights Booker would go off. Some nights he wouldn't. Either way, the Suns, more often than not, lost. Two of the next three games are in Phoenix, and the Bucks are 5-6 and six on the road so far in these playoffs while the Suns are 8-2 and two at home. That would presumably favor Phoenix. But the Bucks are also 2-1 and one when they return to a road arena in a series and have closed out all three of their previous series on the road, including a Game 7 against Brooklyn. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think that Game 5 or Game 7 in Phoenix is going to be intimidating to Milwaukee. The last time, conversely, the Suns were in a Game 5 at home, they lost decisively to the undermanned Clippers. I'm just thinking recent history is going to be more influential when it comes to what happens on Saturday in Phoenix than the overall road and home records for these two teams in the playoffs. Why? Because the Bucks can still play better than they did tonight. Drew Holiday is not likely to shoot this badly again. Brooke Lopez is not likely to go 0 for 5 from three-point range again, seeing as he's never taken that many and not made at least one in these entire playoffs. Bobby Portis also had a relatively quiet scoring night, three points in 20 minutes, by far his, his worst points-per-minute production this series. Now, the Suns 
Got a nice game out of Cam Johnson. They got a nice game out of Cam Payne. I, the Suns bench outscored Milwaukee's bench. Jay Crowder had 15 points. Had a pretty solid game. If you're thinking, well, DeAndre Ayton's not going to go only score six points again, you're probably right. But it's going to mean that Chris Paul is going to have to find a way to uncage himself, unlock himself from Drew Holiday. And I have not seen that happen yet. So I can't look at tonight's game or the game earlier as a aberration. It's kind of consistent with how things have gone since Drew Holiday has been on Chris Paul. And since Chris Paul has struggled, DeAndre Ayton hasn't had the same effect. It's a trickle-down effect. And when I look at the Suns roster, I don't see another playmaker. I don't see someone they can turn to. So suddenly Monty Williams, who has done a great job, not taking anything away from his coaching, he's now stuck. You can only coach as well as the options that you were given based on the opponent that you're playing. And right now, because Chris Paul is not performing as Chris Paul has for the majority of this year, everything has changed. Chris Paul came to town, everything changed. Chris Paul now not playing like Chris Paul, everything is changing again. The Suns need to play smarter. They haven't had an answer for the Bucks' huge offensive rebounding advantage all series, and I wouldn't expect that to change now. But they can shrink the differential. They did in Game 1. Limiting the turnovers, not missing defensive rotations, not committing fouls that put their best shooter on the bench or force him to play less defense than he already does, are some of the things that they have to do different. Can they? Sure. But it requires knowing that's what they have to do. And based on the post-game press conference, I have no reason to believe that every son understands that as of now. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We have another two-game break before Game 5 of the NBA Finals. And right now, my plan for the next episode is to talk about the Clippers and the news that Kawhi Leonard had surgery on a partially torn ACL and what that means for the team's future prospects. Is their championship window opening or closing? And how does Kawhi's condition affect all that? That's the plan as of right now. Now, there is some news that I am keeping tabs on in the NBA, so I may have to divert from the plan and go to that, depending on what happens over the next 24 hours. But whatever it is, we'll be back here with another episode in the next 24 hours. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.